All-time low, The Rocket Summer, The Matches, Sunny, Forever the Sickest Kids. Five bands at five different points in their young careers. Blink-182 protégés All-Time Low are quickly turning into TRL favorites and will be headlining their own tours for the first time this coming fall. The Rocket Summer, with smart sing-along power-pop songs, continue and try and push their success ceiling even higher with their major label debut of 2007, even as the major label system shakes all around them. Epitaph Records' The Matches, a band whose music is as hip and quirky as the clothes they wear, have struggled to make ends meet in a world where music costs nothing and marketing means everything. Sonny Moore, solo and detoxed of the world of From First to Last, has jumped into a swimming pool of electronica rock, shocking his longtime fans, but possibly opening himself up to a wider music audience than ever before. And finally, Dallas bred Forever the Sickest Kids, together merely a year, have already become the breakout act of 2008, in some cases, selling just as much merch on the AP tour as co-headliner All Time Low. On the very last day of the 2008 AP tour, we invited the lead singer for each band to discuss life in the music industry as they know it, from their perspective, from the bottom rungs of the ladder looking up. Now, despite a competitive industry that forces many artists to make it every band for themselves, the singers showed a mutual respect and friendship for each other that one often doesn't get to see from reading only scenes through message boards. We join the diverse personalities of Alex Gaskarth of All Time Low, Bryce Avery of The Rocket Summer, The Matches' Sean Harris, Forever the Sickest Kids' Jonathan Cook, and Sonny Moore in a last day of school sit-down session here in Cleveland at Lava Room Recording. This is Mike Shea. Yes, mm. let's get in the mood. <laughs> this is, this is, I, told, I told Jason, my editor, this morning, it's either going to be really, really good or it's going to be a major disaster. I'm going to go with the latter. Oh, perfect, perfect. <laughs> it's going to be a disaster. <laughs> I, that was good enough for an intro. Welcome, uh, yes, we're here with the AP Podcast. Um, and uh, for the sake of stereophonic sound, um, we, we are actually here with the, with the main, um, uh, the, the, the main, uh, the, the main souls of the AP tour. And uh, I really, uh, why don't we start, Sonny, we'll just go left to right, just introduce yourself so everybody can kind of get your voice if they don't know who you are yet. Hello, I'm Sonny. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm Bryce from The Rocket Summer. Hi, I'm Alex from All Time Low. Hi, my name's Jonathan from Forever the Sickest Kids. I'm Sean, I'm in the matches. I would argue the, the, that the soul of the AP tour would be the drummers, but we're the yes. singers. Yes, so. you know, good point. Spine. This is a good point. And John, our engineer, is a drummer, so you just scored major points from him. <laughs> ah. Do give him your home addresses. He'll be sending you Christmas gifts and everything else this just year. Just give me a couple more DBs on the level. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I actually went out on the Warp Tour last summer, and I realized the, uh, the, the, the story about the, the heartbeat of the tour bus and how many of you guys cannot sleep unless that tour bus is moving? I, I can't sleep unless, unless I'm burning a fat hole in the ozone layer, yeah. 
<laughs> true. That's very true for me. No, I'm, yeah, I'm it's leaving for, my mark. It's easier for me to sleep when the bus is moving. I can't sure. sleep in the... I mean, I'm in a van right now, yeah. and it's impossible to, like... If we stop, I'm, like, awake. But once we start moving, I fall asleep. Yeah. Like a little baby. I found it was weird. Like, I had to brace... I was finding myself brace. Like, naturally, when I was sleeping, brace against, like... Because you sleep with your head to the back, right? That's the rule. And, then you, and I just found that I always had one leg completely stiff against the... Uh, the side of the wall in case we stopped out suddenly. of fear yeah exactly and it was going we were going through the the mountains up through wyoming and through colorado all that stuff like that and i just had this fear in my head like anytime we took a major curve i was like the bus is going over a cliff <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's happened a couple times on the tour it's our driver considers it a shortcut to just roll down hills <laughs> Just turn sharply off the. So sorry. So go ahead for the for the for the levity of the of the listeners right now. Tell me your best to date in your career. Your best bus or van experience Ooh. story. There's got to be one. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, last our, night was pretty crazy. <laughs> last From night Pittsburgh was to Cleveland. Crazy. Oh, talking That's, about. You want to go ahead with that one? No. <laughs> All right. Not not so much. Uh, we weren't driving yet, but. Uh, last night was the, it's basically the last night that every band could like hang out because tonight people have to roll to their respective next destinations. So, um, we were all on the bus dancing and, uh, getting a little crazy and, um, I don't know. I don't know. It was just kind of. A lot of dudes had their shirts off. Yeah. There was a lot of. Not me though. I, I had the hoodie on. I was kind of chilling. Being true to form. That's good. That's Sonny good. was just going around <laughs> giving out kisses. That's what he was doing. I we all have our hey. specialty. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, yeah, um, I got one. It was good. I got a story. We were <laughs> call, oh. calling him out. Yeah, <laughs> we're making one of the long drives, and uh, <clears throat> I was co-pilot, or our guitarist Caleb was driving, and uh, tour manager was <laughs> sleeping, and he's big and um, black, and he he's, he sleeps very heavily and snores. And uh, he, he always wakes up, and as soon as he wakes up, he says, are you good? You good? You know, like, and he just starts mumbling the stuff. Well, he, he said his worst nightmare is that we wreck while he's sleeping. He loves to drive. He's scared to give up the wheel. But uh, So he woke up in a night terror the other night, and uh, as soon as he woke up, he grabbed the wheel and threw it to the left. And, like, our van, like, went across three lanes and back and, and back, and, and everybody in the back woke up and is, like, bracing themselves and... Luckily, our, our guitarist caught the wheel, but like Robbie, like said he had a night terror that we were, uh, that we were wrecking, and he woke up and tried to overcompensate. It was pretty funny. But oh wow! Wow! He was back in he was back in Nam, was he? Yeah. <laughs> Charlie's. <laughs> that that reminds me actually on this tour, um, we, I think it was between, um, I think Portland, Oregon, and Utah or something like that. Oh yeah. That drive we had to go through this pass. Ooh. And um, we were in a van, and we didn't have chains, and we actually spun out and almost went off the side of the, did you, the did road. You, did you hear your own we, trailer? And then we got a flat. No, we started, we start, our van started, started going like a little bit sideways, and then we blew a tire out in this blizzard. And then we all had to go outside and change the tire, and none of us could sit in the van because we had the jack. And it took a, it took a long time because the jack wasn't big enough. Um, so we had to like find rocks. We had to go run in the woods and find rocks and different <laughs> logs. And and finally, after Jeez. like an hour and a half, we flagged down a cop and he came up and he had a, a bigger jack and we did it. That was pretty crazy. That was scary. And I've been in a lot of snowy drives and that was probably the scariest time I've actually like 
we had, we had the same thing happen to us, and, yeah. and uh, not on this tour, but a previous Sunny, tour. Sunny, by the way. Yeah. That was, that was Sunny. <laughs> now it's Sean. This is Sean. If they didn't um, get it right off the bat from when we introduced you, fuck them. So <laughs> keep up. We all need yeah. to code our voices. We need, I'll be soprano over here. Um, <laughs> we, I had this, we had the same thing happen to us, Sunny, except for uh, um, when we were standing outside, we had the same little shitty jack yeah. that you had, apparently, because none of us could sit in the van either. And so we're out there for about an hour and it's freezing cold and it's blizzarding, you know. And then we look around us and realize there are wolves. No, there were <laughs> wolves surrounding us. That's way better than my story. Well, it's the same thing, but just with wolves. Just with plus awesome. wolves. <laughs> you could come and beat me and be like, we, and, then, and then we had yeah. lions, <laughs> <laughs> and a dragon came. <laughs> oh, I have a I have a bus story that's not so uh, sad, I guess. But uh, <laughs> but um, I was uh, I was alone <laughs> in the bus one night and I was sitting in the back lounge and all the lights were off. And all of a sudden, I heard this voice, and uh, and it was I was like, that does not sound like anyone in my band. And I looked and I saw this silhouette of someone, and it was this guy who had come up on our bus, this homeless guy, and he was like, "Are you Michael Jackson? Oh, <laughs> are you Michael Jackson? <laughs> what?" And I I was I was shocked and scared, and I was like, "Uh, no, oh get off God. the bus, please, get off the bus." <laughs> wow. Get off the bus. You should have just gone with it. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm Michael Jackson. <laughs> Sign an autograph. What do you got for me? Yeah. yeah, I never hear about the haunted bus stories. I never hear those. I, I thought that's where that was about to go. Yeah, yeah I, I thought, thought so. I thought it, like, it like, a wow, ghost like, came like, out of the air conditioning and <laughs> flew around. I don't know. You no, know, was, um, that's what happens on there. our bus. Is we have ghosts. Ghosts? Yeah, several. It's pretty cool. No big deal. Um, I win. <laughs> <laughs> we have ghosts and wolves we on our We have ghost band. wolves. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, was just, I was just thinking, like, there, there, you could be, there really should be a band version of Survivor Man. That'd be sweet. You know? Today, we're going to clean toilet paper out of the toilet because it's clogged <laughs> with forks. We had to do that last night. <laughs> Has there ever been a roadie that you guys remember the most? Like somebody, maybe he's even on this tour, where like, there's like this character. You know, kind of <laughs> like that guy that's like, and he was an old ship's captain with one eye. And, you know, it's like, anybody like that? A bus driver? Uh, uh, somebody that was like a guitar tech? Bryce. Bryce? <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> huh. I mean, because those really are like the, 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 the you know, if there really is, like, the, those are the guys that make everything happen. So sure. Yeah. He's, he's, not on, he's not on this salty tour. salty kind of characters sometimes. Not so much on this tour, but on one of the previous tours we've done, uh, there was this guy that, um, he was the guitar tech for Boys Like Girls. And uh, previously he had worked for, like, Butch Walker and all kinds of bands. And um, the, story, the story was that he uh, was, like, ex-Secret Service and stuff. <laughs> and, like... Um, during their, like, sound checks and, and things, you would see him, like, sitting crouched against a wall, but he'd be asleep. And we, we'd be like, what the hell is he doing? And, like, the guys would, would have to explain to us, like, yeah, he takes, like, power naps. Like, he doesn't ever sleep. He just, like, he, like, kind of drifts off into, like, this world for, like, maybe 10 minutes and then comes back and he's, like, fired up again and, you know, bench pressing eight people at the same time. Wow. It, was, it was pretty intense, man. So have you guys, because I know like with, with you, Alex, and Mark Hoppus, like you kind of met your idol. Yes. So what about the rest of you guys? Have you met your idols yet? And if you did, what's the, what was that experience like? Like well, when I met one of my idols, it was really, <coughs> it just crushed me. Well, Jonathan met me. Oh, okay. <laughs> he was pretty right. blown away. Well, that was easy. Yeah. Actually, before this tour, <laughs> the first tour that I did um, was like a two-week run with uh, Team Sleep is Chino from the Deftones, and I mean, you know, he's been one of my 
heroes for a long time musically. And it was cool because he actually handpicked all the bands on the tour. It was, it was Strata, another band called Monster in the Machine. And just a, a, like a couple weeks before the tour, he actually invited me over to his house and we just hung out and we went out to eat and stuff. And that was kind of a cool experience to be able to like actually sit down. Like I've talked to a lot of, of my peers and some of the people that I've looked up to, but it was the first time I really got to actually ask somebody about like them as an artist, like what's this song? And we actually like had a really cool conversations about, you know, like digging into like who he is as Chino and like his expressions and like in his songs and all of his lyrics. And I kind of got to like, almost like not interviewing, but I really got to like ask every question I always wondered, you know, but it was really cool. It was no, there was no real like, like barrier between us. It wasn't like Chino and then the fan and Sonny was like, me having conversation with a friend, but um, it was really nice to do that. But like you guys, each one of you have fans that come up to you on this on this tour, and yeah, you got the you got the more aggressive fans and more sociable fans, but they're the ones that come up to you and they're paralyzed. Like maybe they're coming with their friend who's the more social one, and the other one's like, uh, you know, they don't know what to say, and they're shaking, and they want you autograph, and they kind of half spit out the words and stuff. So did you kind of have that moment at all with Sony with with, with Chino? Was it like for that for like maybe five minutes when you no. walked in his door? You didn't. You weren't not like, at all. Uh, not at all. Um, really? No. I, well, it was funny because he lives in. He. Um, I went to his house in L.A. and he lives in sort of like a really sub, uh, suburban area where there's like, like children riding around on bicycles everywhere, and he just kind of walks out in chino gear, just the dicky shorts and like black t-shirt with his high socks. He's like, "Yo, what up?" It's like, "Hey, man." And we just kind of hit it off and just hung out and and showed each other like tracks that we were both working on and stuff. And I mean, I I I never really get starstruck. So it was easy for me to talk. It was it was natural, but it was just cool to do that, you know. So turn that around. What about the, like the rest of you guys? Is like when you've kind of noticed that somebody is like a fan has come up to you and they are starstruck. Do you guys kind of automatically kick into a particular type of? I make a point to kiss that person on the face. <laughs> I I always try to bring that person out of their shell. Like whenever like the like you said like there's two people and there's like the more social one and the one that's kind of like, you know, just frozen. I always make a point to like do something so ridiculous to that person that they like kind of just forget about it and start talking. So, yeah, I, I liked it. Oh, sorry. Oh no, I was just saying like it, it's. I always I used to get like that too if I was ever meeting somebody that I like looked up to and um, I always looked back on it and felt like I missed out by not saying something or not you know saying what I want wanted to say. So uh, whenever that happens, I'm always like I always just like jump on that person I'm, like say it you know because otherwise you'll regret it. So, yeah. I just start to ask them a question, you know, like, uh, like I always just ask them, you know, usually when they come up, they don't have anything to say because they want to say so much. It's like, finally, I get to meet this person and they're starstruck a lot of times because they have so much to say and they can't get any of it out, you know. So typically, if you ask them a question, it just it opens a can of worms that lasts for, you know, yeah, quite just, a while. Just taking it off yourself, I yeah. think, makes someone feel really special, like they're actually having like a moment with you, you know, or whatever. I mean, because it really is like <coughs> just like normal, just people or whatever, you know what I'm saying? So I, I'm always really weirded out when people walk up and they're shaking or whatever. It's just yeah. like, yeah. I, just, I don't know. It's just Never like, get used to it. Like, why? So what do you do? Yeah. Like, <laughs> tell me about you. You know? Did you ever have the, uh, when Under Oath was in here, they were talking about the, they ran into a very assertive mother. 
uh, who is demanding autographs and things like that for her, their, her daughter and things like that. Have you ever run in those situations where like the like the parent was at them and that mom, like playing oh, yeah. the kind of playing oh, the, the the kind of bodyguards every, every night? There's always yeah. that mom, yeah. Yeah. Moms, moms and dads with cameras. They're they're, they're intense. They're always taking a lot of pictures and they're always on the video mode. On they'll accident. be like they'll be like a crowd of people and you're trying to like talk to everybody and then all of a sudden they'll be like this parent that just like elbows their way through the the, <laughs> the masses of kids like dragging their two kids by like the collars basically carrying them like above their heads and like they like force their way up and they're like oh you have to get a picture with my daughter and I'm like well okay but. You know, there's a million other sons and daughters here that were waiting, and you just kind of beat them all up. Last night, actually, I, um, I, um, where were we last night? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yes. Last night, I went down the street and ate at this little diner, mm. and um, I walked in. Joe's. And there was a, yeah, Joe's. It was delicious. Was, yeah, it was delicious. I had the chicken salad. But um, <laughs> I walked in, and on the left, there was a, a woman sitting down, and she's like, you're Sonny, right? I'm like, yeah. She's like, yeah, I saw you um, a couple years ago with Fall Out Boy. Um, it's good to see you touring again, blah, blah, blah. And we just had, like, a quick conversation. And she's like, yeah, my daughter's at the show right now. I sat down, I ordered up, and then um, and then I got my wallet out to pay And then the uh, after I ate, and then the, the waiter was like, no, she took care of it for you. And I, sat, and I sat down, and then we just had, like, a long conversation. I'm like, thank you so much. That's so awesome. That's right. And so I mean, most of the most of the moms I've met have actually been really cool, but there's there's always like there's one or two kind of yeah. really demanding, crazy, mm-hmm. I, not crazy, but just you know. They just want to go home. That's yeah, why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're just like, God damn it, kids, come on. I had I had a mom the other night. I came off the bus and it was it was well after the show, and she was outside of uh, the bus with with her two daughters, and um, so I was like, oh, okay, so you know, kind of sign whatever for her daughter she's been waiting for and her daughters were not at all into our band like not even a little bit and the mom was stoked and the mom had her daughters snap pictures of me and the mom and she like kissed me on the cheek and she was talking about zeppelin and stuff and, and the daughters and so i was kind of waiting for the daughters to like switch and get in the pictures she's like you guys want to take pictures they're like no <laughs> not at all interested. yes <laughs> like, that's awesome nice. all right yeah, yeah I've, I've had i've had both ends of the spectrum. Yeah. I've definitely had, uh, I'm, rem- I'm remembering this dad that uh, was really demanding and having these two girls take a bunch of pictures with me and I was just smiling and feeling like a puppet and, and he was like, <laughs> and he was like, no girls, give him a kiss on the cheek. You oh. and this cheek <laughs> oh, And I was just like, oh, I, don't, I didn't want to be like a jerk, you know, but I was just like, I, I can't do that, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, uh, but then also just like, uh, I, I was just reminded of a of a story. Uh, last time we were in Cleveland, actually, there was a mom that came to our show. Who um, it's cool because sometimes when the young kids come to the shows, their their parents can become fans of the band. You know, I mean, because uh, I don't think I don't think any of us are really just out to make music just for like kids as much as I mean just for everyone. You know, and uh, last time we were here, there was a there was a mom that came out that uh, came by herself because. Um, her son had actually passed away from leukemia, and, oh. and she was saying how uh, the music had helped her get through it, and it, was, it had become such a wow. big part of her life. So, I don't know, it's kind of cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. I've usually found when, when I'm talking to musicians on the side, they, the stories about where their music, their songs saved, kept somebody from killing themselves. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. It's weird how, I, and I don't know if it's a modesty thing or if it's <coughs> like they don't know how to feel about it, but mm-hmm. a lot of times musicians, they, don't, they just kind of like, yeah. 
Like they just mm. kind of sit there, go like, "Wow!" They're a little stunned by it. Mm. And I, I, is is that what is it? Can you guys explain? I that? think I think when we start writing songs, the last thing we think about is, "Oh, I wonder how many people aren't going to kill themselves because they yeah, you know, <laughs> it's just think, you, you, yeah." Sorry, go ahead. no, it's okay. I, I think that I think when we make music, like, I mean, of course, this is our careers. We're not doing this for a complete personal reason or else we'd just be in our rooms doing day jobs playing music for ourselves you know we like to play in, in front of people but at the same time you know where it comes from it is personal and we we don't really think i mean uh, maybe i'm speaking for myself too much but you don't really think about that and then no. all of a sudden someone comes up to you and and, and expresses that and you're like wow that's crazy i mean at the same time i think music is one of the most genuinely personal artistic forms there are because it, I think it is the most personal. Like a painting is... Hard to perceive is, is Is more, I think it's, I mean, all art is up for interpretation, but I feel like a lyric and a voice and a melody is, is so personal to, to people. And, it, and, and a lyric will never mean the same thing it does, from, it does to me, to somebody else. But um, yeah, it's crazy though. I, I can I can totally I can totally relate with that because I've had people come up to me and say the same thing and I just all I can think about is wow I never that wasn't my intention you know not to say that it's it's not a great thing but you know yeah it's like especially something with uh with a lot of kids that are follow our band we we like tend to get a lot of gifts and uh, people bring us like scrapbooks that they've made and and not just scrapbooks but on this tour in particular a bunch of our listeners that like. Um, they call themselves the boardies. They're like all the people that are on our message boards and stuff like that. And they're like really, really rabid. Like, um, they'll, they'll, they'll go beat up people for you, right? They absolutely would. <laughs> they would kill. They would kill for us, I think. Um, but uh, aside from that, one one of them uh, actually made a giant. And when I'm saying giant, I mean like giant, like floor sized, really big, like seven by seven poster board. And uh, they. She decorated the entire thing and then cut it, cut it all up into puzzle pieces and sent them to other people, like all across the United States. And then on the other side of it, each person that received a piece like wrote their own messages on it and stuff. And then at each show, we've been getting certain pieces of this puzzle. And it's probably one of the coolest gifts and coolest ideas I've ever seen because now we're almost done. Like I think we get the last pieces at Bamboozle on Sunday. And, uh, just to read some of the messages on the back, like how we personally affected them. Like they got really, really honest. And uh, it's, it's really cool. Like, you, like Sonny was saying, you don't, when you write your songs, you don't really expect it to affect anyone in that way. You're just kind of writing it for yourself or for you know, whatever purpose it may be. But you, I don't, at least with me as well, I, I never expected to affect anyone that deeply and that like genuinely. So it's, it's amazing, it's really cool. But yes, it's often when someone comes up to you and says, this song literally kept me from killing myself, it's very, you, you're definitely taken aback because it's like, what? Like, I had no idea that I could do that with my lyrics or anything, you know? I feel like the least qualified person <laughs> to be somebody's therapist, really. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you are by, you know, the far sense of detachment, but you, you're kind of doing it, and you don't get paid, which is kind of, it's kind of sad, you know? Not the, not the $100 an hour, at least. <laughs> Musical <laughs> therapist. Uh, exactly, exactly. Definitely don't get paid. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Sonny, Sonny said it's, a, it's our career, but 
Still waiting for that paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hobby. You know, I just I before we take a first song break, uh, real quick, I, I do have to ask this because I'm I always one of my favorite parts is sitting on the side of the show and watching the point where the lead singer gets to that point where the emotion of the gig, whether it's happiness or or you're screaming everything you got, you know, or you're dancing around the stage or whatever and being silly, it overtakes you mm -hmm. and you become the moment. It's like that runner's moment where you get into the vibe. Yeah. And has there, has there, have any of you guys had that experience where you've just kind of, um, you've just transcended into that other world for that minute or two and you just like, you lose it. You just like, maybe it overwhelms you. Maybe you start, you bust out crying because you're just like, what the fuck? Where am I? You know? Yeah. Has that yeah. ever happened with any of you guys? We're oh, talking about God now, aren't we? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Told you it was a different podcast. This is getting crazy. Uh, you want me to ask you about how you wrote the record, how long you've been together? We can do that. <laughs> no, I think it's very important. I think um, a performance to me is not when you're trying to perform. It's when you are most interested and involved in that you know what i mean because it's there's one thing you can you can run around stage and, and in a contrived way and like oh, look at me look at me and do that or you can be an artist and fall into what you were talking about and that naturally becomes a performance and to me those are the best performances when you're looking at somebody create art you know and not just play notes or sing notes or sing lyrics you're looking at someone like like those moments, I don't think like you don't think about anybody else in the room when when that happens. Like right. it's just you, and and sometimes it may take a song or two to get into, but there are definitely those moments, and those are the key moments I think in a performance is when you're singing every lyric and you're going back to the place to where you wrote those lyrics or wherever it came from, and you're actually feeling that, and that becomes the most natural performance, and that's important I think. Definitely, isn't it weird though that we're all that we're all performers, like we're on stage in some kind of Rat Pack, Frank Sinatra kind of way in which we're putting on a show. Um, but at the same time, we're also meant to be writing uh, songs with, with, with meaning and content that we really feel. And we're supposed to be creative artists in this little closet that we call a studio. And then you go to the opposite world, which is you in front of a couple thousand people, yeah. and you're supposed to shine in both arenas. Yeah, like, shouldn't we either be in the dark and be giving this to some, like, guy with perfect teeth and, like, a nice jaw to go do on stage, <laughs> or vice versa, if we're that guy with the nice jaw? <laughs> Completely. Know? So weird. You know, there's a song title there, I think. Okay. The guy with a nice jaw. <laughs> <laughs> So, all right, so the, uh, each one of you guys get to, to get a song break here, and uh, we'll just go from left to right, so that way it gives you guys on the right side, gives Sean and Jonathan and Alex and Bryce a little bit more time. So, Sonny, you're going to be on the hot seat first. Um, uh, yes, it's very simple, though, but okay. I, it's probably going to be the toughest question. <laughs> and um, it, it, give me your, any song, any band, okay? Okay. Um, it, tell us your favorite song of all time. <sighs> yep. And and how did it become your favorite song? Okay. Like, what was that oh moment God. in your life that it was like, this is this is me? Um, it's a song by Aphex Twin, a.k.a. Richard D. James. Mm -hmm. And it is the second song off of the Come to Daddy EP, and it is called Flim. And there are no lyrics to the song, but it is, it is my favorite song of all time, and I've actually have said this before. And it's hard to explain, but I think... Ultimately, what any art does, any art form, whether it's like a, whether it's music, painting, an actor, performance art, music, painting, blah blah blah. blah, blah. I said the same thing three times. <laughs> um, 
I think it's just supposed to provoke an emotion that is aesthetic emotion. And I think songs, there are different types of songs for different types of reasons. You listen to metal and it's heavy and it's, it's driving. You listen to uh, cigarettes and you kind of fall asleep, you know what I mean? Or whatever, you know, and there's different purposes. And this song, for some reason, provokes like the strongest, it, like, like I can read poetry and feel something, but I've never felt something more than when I listen to this song, just because of the melody. It is just melodically everything that I wish I could have produced almost, you know what I mean? And I don't know how to explain it, but it just, it's the most beautiful song in the world. I mean, it, and, it, and it goes through every emotion, every sad and happy emotion through this one song so perfectly to me. And it's short, it's only two and a half minutes long, and it's like, gosh. I want to. I want to die to that song. We'll be, we'll, I'm, I want to die it. I don't think I can top that. Can we? <laughs> what? You got another ten minutes. Could we to have started it at the other end, please? <laughs> How you doing? I'm good. What if what if Quiet. we had these wireless things where we're like on tour, like we would always talk to each other on microphones? <laughs> you just hear like all the time. Different ends of the building. Yeah. Like, Sean, what are you doing? Sean. God, I feel like I feel like your tech Matt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the radio. <laughs> all Over the and out. Have she you guys done these things before? By the uh, way? we did an interview here, but it was for the performance thing, I think. I've yeah. never done anything like this before. Not with I've a bunch. Isn't that funny? I've never done. Yeah, not with anyone like. I've never done radio before. Actually, that's not true. I did one radio interview, but I wasn't like 
even all that time with first to last and everything. Yeah, isn't that weird? I've done a couple like at festivals where they'll have like the radio booth set up and a microphone. I've never done a proper sound engineer, microphones, people, questions. I suck at questions. I suck at answering them. Sometimes. Oh, you're on my mix. Sorry, I was affecting your. Hey, mix. man. <laughs> Sorry. My, I was like, everything's Wait, like getting quieter and coming back. I'm like, what's happening? I wish this was a video podcast. Turn that back up. Do you Jonathan. need more stage Check. left vocal? Yeah, if you could, uh, if I could get a little more guitar <laughs> in the wedge, please. All right. So Chiodos has this has this uh, they they have this they they call them the blue pens, and in every town they, there's a couple towns they have them, and these are the guys that are the eBayers. Oh, oh yeah. you guys got those, you guys got certain cities you guys know Dude. by nature yeah. like you see, the, the, you know that they, they like here's the trick curly you know, gray yeah. hair they don't fit in with the crowd at all oh, they're yeah. about thirty years older than anybody that's in your fan base, yeah. and uh, guys got any stories about you want to. You want to know the trick? Yeah. Here's what you do. You see the dude with the blue pen outside of the bus, right? He's got some glossy picture of you. Uh, you step outside. You engage him in a conversation first. He holds out the pen to you, and you just start talking to him. What are you doing, you know? Um, he'll give you some something about, oh, I've been a fan for a while. He hasn't been. He's got a blue pen, right? So... <laughs> um, uh, you ask him just casually, not ha- not pretending to what what he's asking you to do. You ask him what his name is. He'll say, "I'm Mike." You go, "Sweet." Take his pen. You write to Mike. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Completely spoils his operation. Yep. That's exactly what we do. Yeah. That's exactly what we do. We, we're like, oh, who's it for? He's like, oh, it's for my. Do-. If it's like an older dude, he'll be like, yeah. oh, oh, it's for my kids. And then we're like, oh, what's their names? And he'll be like, oh, sh- Shelby. Like, <laughs> I had a guy at the Dear Shelby. Club. There's a guy in uh, D.C. that uh, obviously was a, a blue pin, and uh, he came up to me, and uh, he asked if, uh, you know, I engaged him in conversation. And uh, I, I, I didn't know I could get him to one-up me, but I started talking about my eBay account. And he, <laughs> and he one-upped me. He's like, well, I'm a power seller, and I have this many feedback. I was like, awesome, man. Well, i, I got to run. So <laughs> kind of mm-hmm. but, Hey, yeah. that was really good. He sold himself out. The CIA may be calling you for an opportunity <laughs> in your future. We, yeah. also, we also kill them. Yeah. After oh. we sign the we sign the papers, but then we shoot them and put them in our bus. Is it an alternate source of fuel to run the bus? Exactly, it's, it's biodiesel. <laughs> in, in the UK, there's a merch mafia. Have um, you guys yeah. run into those guys? Yep. Yeah. yeah, that's scary. The dudes that stand outside and um and and, and print T-shirts. They, off they of the bootleg. Whole yeah, they bootleg T-shirts and and but you can't say anything because they'll beat you up. Like I've heard stories where bands will get like. Beat oh you yeah, up. they'll stab you. Jeez. Yeah, they'll just fuck. Whoa, like, it yeah. sucks. It's it's yeah. the most evil thing you can do because we make our money off merch. You know, yeah. there's not a lot of money in this. You know, like outside of you know touring, and that's how we make our living. And <laughs> outside of our stand outside. Pools. Yeah, dudes stand outside with, with fucking T-shirts, and then the kids don't know either. They just think, oh, I'm buying a T-shirt. They go inside. They don't pay. For, you know, it's evil. Yesterday, Fuck I, them. Yesterday I, had a, uh, <laughs> I had a situation like that. A guy came up with all these glossy yep. prints of me, and uh, he was a much older guy. And he was, like, he was like, I can't wait to see the show because I can't wait to see the big blow-up Anna Nicole Smith things shooting out, shooting out antidepressants or whatever it said in the last... Uh, AP article oh that was, that was oh, written you on idiot. It, was, it was a joke, you know, clearly. Yeah, yeah. Just like, yeah, that's not true, dude. <laughs> <laughs> was that last Gosh. night? It was yesterday. Did the, yeah. did the guy have a, a got like a Chiodo shirt or something? Yeah. Was it, what, it was actually it was the same Craig guy, see, Chiodo. See, you know what, you know, it's, you know, I kind of feel bad because he was Chiodos like, are the blue guy. He, like, <laughs> like, he was like, I'm coming to, a, to another show, too. He said he was coming today. Cleveland. And I was just like... I hope okay, he's listening. Well, I hope that. <laughs> yeah, hopefully now I, don't, I didn't just like majorly offend this guy. He's like, I really am a fan. He is a fan. <laughs> Damn it! 
No, well, the thing was, he said the same thing to us. He like he comes up and he's like he has, uh, I don't know. Ryan, our drummer, said something. He was. But like, you guys actually do have the Anna Nicole. We do, yeah, yeah. we do, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> but you know, not to be confused with the rocket summers <laughs> confetti cannons. <laughs> we kind of ripped you guys off. I'm sorry. <laughs> we just thought Anna Nicole shooting prescription drugs was funnier. I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, so the dude's like, the dude is like, uh, oh, but I only have this one magazine. Meanwhile, he has this bag on his hip with like every other oh. cover in it. So we're like, <laughs> all right, dude, like you're obviously not who you say you are. Get out of here. And then we killed him. So. Sweet. He's in the back of your bus with the other four? He's, we put him in Bay 3. Oh, okay. <laughs> and he's actually really the alternative press super fan genuinely listening to this. <laughs> yeah, probably. And now we're all going to be murdered. Oops. So that's right. Sorry. It, it, you know, I can explain it, but I, I, think, I think one of you guys could probably explain it in a lot more entertaining way. Can you explain what the blue pen theory, what that is all about? What is the concept of the blue pen? I actually have no idea. I don't I, this either. is the first time I'd ever heard it. Really? If you, you can explain it, you should we tell call it. Because it's about, go on. Sorry. We should call up Chiodos. Yeah, you know? <laughs> well, it's about the photo that you, that if you shoot something with a camera and it goes up on eBay with a red pen, it won't show up. So you have to use a blue oh. pen. And it comes off black. Oh. What about a black pen? Good point. That's comes a, that's out. That's a question for the next show. It comes out backwards and it has the devil <laughs> all over it. <laughs> so, so um, this was a job interview. You guys could sue me all on this one, but for the sake of those people that don't maybe know who you guys are, maybe some of the older listeners that listen to this. Uh, and they're not aware. Could we just go left to right and just tell me how old you are? Left to right? Left to right. This left, not yours. Oh, your left. My left. Stage right. Mine's more important. Stage right. Okay. okay. Sunny. I'm Sunny. I'm 20 years old. I'm Bryce. And uh, although I look like I'm 17, I am 25. He's years 40. Old. He's 40, 40 years old, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's all a hoax. Uh, I'm Alex uh, from All Time Low, and I'm 20. I'm Jonathan, and I'm 24. I'm Sean, and I've been alive for a quarter of a century. Ooh. And I'm like, I'm 42. Listen to you so being all clever. See, I, I came in with you guys. I said I was 42. So. Nice. So Looking great. we have, there's some bands. I'm sure you guys all know them. You've probably seen them on Warp Tour. The guys are in their 30s, early 30s. And they're kids on a message boards. They're fans. They will sit there, booking agents, record company people will sit there and say they're too old. <laughs> At 30, they're too old. Do you think that there's an ageism? In in <laughs> like in just music period, like everything's so youth culture. Do you guys kind of see it from where you are? I mean, you're not you don't use it thirty, but still. I mean, it's definitely it's definitely getting to the point where the younger and younger you are, the more and more acceptable it is to be in the industry. And labels are signing younger bands, and it's just kind of a new trend. But um, no, I, I mean, I I don't think it necessarily affects things because there's plenty of bands that are, you know. 30 and over that still kick ass. And I, I also think, though, I mean, like a lot of those bands like that are like older people that still have careers, they've been doing it for a long time as well. I mean, like bands like, like Radiohead or like Nine Inch Nails or Smashing Pumpkins, they at one point were young and spoke yeah. to the youth and have kept their fan base. And I think that like, youth culture um, happens to be a rebellious, like when you're a teenager, you're you're rebellious in some point. So like, you see all the kids coming out to the concerts, and and I think they can uh, relate to us more than yeah. someone that may seem older. I just think um, that that when someone has in common with an like if 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 a kid has something in common with an artist, then it makes it 
last longer. You right. Know? Whereas, like, if it's kind of like, oh, I like the song, but I don't, like, the dude is just kind of... But I think it's my dad singing. So. Yeah. <laughs> like, if they actually feel like they can connect with the artist outside of the music as well. Just, right. Just from who they are, seem to be, or, you know. I know I went to the K-Rock show while we were in L.A. recording our album, and it was cool to see, like, you know, Bad Religion, who I'm a big fan of, you know, and the kids connecting with them and Rise Against at the same time and Paramore at the same time, you know, and, you know, that's a that's a big age span just from Bad Religion to Paramore. And it was the same fans out there with the same energy level no matter, you know, what band was on stage. I thought that was a really cool thing to see. Yeah, I guess it's all different. Sorry for cheering nice, by the way. <laughs> I, I think when you get into your mid to late, to late 20s, you, uh, you learn too many chords and... Uh, and <laughs> That's true, actually. You, yeah, your music—you get, you get too good at your instrument, and then no one cares. And then nobody, nobody, like, nobody, get, nobody gets it. Yep. Do no any if any of you guys actually fear? You know, it's like you know, I've, I remember when I was younger and stuff like that. I had friends of mine, and they were like 22, 23, and like, God, I don't want to turn 30. I'm going to kill myself before then. <laughs> I, like, I yeah, said you, that when I turned 20, which is so sad. Yeah. So sad. I was like, wow, 20. Yeah. I feel like I was stupid when I was younger. Every uh, every year I get, I get a little bit smarter. So. I like aging, actually. <laughs> My joints hurt. I'm going to leave. <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> All right, Bryce, next song break. You're next. So um, your favorite song, and why is it your favorite song? Oh, man. Man. <laughs> I know. Uh, uh, yeah, so that's, you're, you're, you're being punished. I'm stressed. <laughs> yeah, that, I'm stressing over this. It takes a long time to actually try to figure that out. But uh, I don't know if it's, it's so much my, my actual favorite song ever, but it is a song that I really like, and it's a song that that really affected me. It's one of the only songs that, that I've heard that, that actually really impacted me. And it was because, and it's a song called Long December by the Counting Crows. And uh, it, it's probably not my favorite song in the world, but the reason I, I'm choosing this song is because, uh, because there was just a time in my life where I, I lived in a certain area and, um, of Texas, and I was kind of, I was kind of just going through a really rough time for about a year and a half and uh not to get overly personal here <laughs> um but uh but me and my wife Tara we were talking about how good it would be to move and uh just kind of like leave our past behind essentially and so we moved out of this house and we went to a bar and uh we were we were hanging out and it was time to go and we were just going for like one last time and uh we were like let's let's wait one more for one more song and just see what comes on and the song came on, it was like the first line was like, uh, a long December, and there's reason to believe that this year may be better than the last. And it was like, um, you should, if you're thinking about coming to California, I think you should, or something like that. And it just really affected me, and it was like one of the only times I've ever, I've ever felt like a song was written for that moment in my life, you know? So, so that's my choice. You live in a movie, don't you, Bryce? <laughs> we're all just part, we're all just characters in the movie that is your life. <laughs> Damn it. A long December, and there's reason to believe Maybe this year will be better than the last can't remember the last thing that you said as you were leaving All the days go by so fast And it's one more day up in the canyon And you 
listen to music. <laughs> no, never. Track five on the Warp Tour comp. <laughs> <laughs> 
Punkorama <laughs> 6, <laughs> track 8. <laughs> Forgot what it's called. I think it's called She Broke My Dick. <sighs> I can't remember who, played, who performs that song, but it's a great song. She Broke My Dick. Really? Okay, so getting a little, little semi-serious here. Uh-oh. I know. It throws it all off. I should probably leave. <laughs> <laughs> For this Bryce, one. actually, in, your, in, the, in the story for AP, in the new one for the AP tour issue, um, you said that it, it, um, you're quoted as saying, it seems more important to be famous or to be the new hit band instead of creating something that affects people. And you were referring, we were talking about a song that's not a business plan. Hmm. And Sonny, then you had kind of said later in your piece too, uh, loving your art is a central point, not what people expect from you. And we have Will from Cartel in here a number of months ago. And... He was talking about, his, the, at that time, the new record that came out, and the response wasn't the same as it was with Chroma. And he's like, you know, I could have wrote Chroma 2. I could have made the pop song record part two. I could have just done it and had another major hit. But we wanted, as musicians, to kind of take it to this next level. And I think it's what Sean was kind of talking about. He's like, you know, you, you, you learn your craft better, and you want to experiment more. You want to try different things. So with that in mind, um, do you think that there is an obligation to your fans to kind of give them that last thing? Like some of you guys, you got your, this is like, you know, Alex and Jonathan, like you guys are bang, this is it. But the next record is going to be based upon this one, the, the perceptions of the fans, right. you know? And Sean, what you've been talking about, like you want to make that record that's like, that, that like speaks for yourselves. Like it's not all about the major, major hit. The money's important, but you know, it's like you could have signed a major, but you stayed with Epitaph. Right. You chose differently. And you know, Bryce, I mean like, you know, the, you you're on Island Def Jam, and, and they're really trying to make what you're doing into like a major, like, you know, kind of like a TRL kind of thing to a certain extent with like a lot of the, 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 the pop aspects, sing-along aspects <coughs> to you. And Sonny, like, if anybody, like, you've kind of gone off the other direction, which is something like you took what you were doing and you went a totally different direction with it, a totally different genre almost. Yeah. And, and something that meant to you. So to each one of you guys, like, is this something that you, that's kind of crossed your mind going, I could do the easy thing? Man, if you're not happy, no matter what, like, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go back to school and work a, a day job and, and make more money, and I'd be unhappy, you know what I mean? Or I, could, I can say, fuck it, man, like, I live this, this lifetime once, and I'm going to do music, and if I starve, I'm still fucking doing music because I love it so much. And even if it's not music that a million people are, are going to connect with, I love to play music, and it's the only thing I can, it's the only thing that, that makes me feel confident you know that's I'm the most confident when like I'm like excelling in my in my music and it's the most important thing to me and if you're doing music that inside of you at least for me if it feels empty and you're and you're not even and, and you're making money like I'd rather feel empty doing and making more money at like a day job and doing real music for myself or something you know what I mean because it just I don't know whatever that means <laughs> Yeah, I, I respect the question, but I think once you start thinking about it, it's uh, it's a, it's a bit of a cancer. So you've got to really clear that whole question out of your mind. Really, you know, uh, will there be another band to replace you if you don't do what your last record did? Yes. <laughs> uh, is that okay? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, Alex, I mean, and Jonathan, I mean, like you guys and Bryce. I mean, you get you got your new records are. You know, there's a lot of attention going on with these things right now. And do you already feel in the pressure that, you know, people are already saying the next record, the next project, the next thing you do, you got to take it higher. You got to take it. So the pressure on you to create that 
hit, so to speak, that success. Because everybody else, you now have groups of people that now depend on you. For me, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of trying to, sh to strip that away from, from my thinking. Um, I mean, I definitely thought about it a lot on the last record, and I'm proud of Do You Feel, and I love it, and, uh, and everything. But I think, um, I think I'm kind of just trying to, to focus on the meaning behind the songs more and just doing this for, you know, because I love music and because uh, what I've seen it do to other people. And uh, I know that's like real cliche and it's really easy to say that, but uh, but really that's that's like kind of where I'm at right now. I just kind of want to make a record. I'm, I'm definitely thinking about the next record. I, I spent most of the days on this tour just like playing piano on our bus, just like writing and uh, and I'm thinking about it a lot, and it's it's definitely a different approach. But hopefully, by doing that, you know, I mean, I'd be a liar if I said I didn't want it to to do really well, and 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 you know, to to grow and for this to become a bigger thing and the whole bit, you know. But uh, but hopefully by by just kind of trying to strip away a lot of the the things that I'm that I hear from label and you know management. No offense, because I think she's here. <laughs> but uh, but um, you know what I'm saying. Just kind of. Uh, just trying to strip that away and just just try to do something really special and and hopefully and hopefully by doing that that will be my greatest record and that will be the record that that really affects you know a lot more people and stuff so yeah i know for us like we did the ep um and and you know I, i'm just coming out of over a year with these guys and when we restructured this band you know i just wanted to surround myself with guys that i felt had like mindsets that were incredible musicians at the same time and uh you know, like the biggest thing for us was just kind of like, don't even look at, you know, we're at a fork in the road musically with Napster and all that. And we're still going through the changes with YouTube and MySpace and Pure Volume and Facebook and all that stuff. And the photographs at every show and you have to have a pretty face. But like, I mean, for us, we just like said, let's just put blinders on. Let's just make a record that feels good to us. And after we're all said and done, let's take the blinders off and see how it reacts. You know, and I think that's how we're going to continue to write, you know, just... Literally get in a room, have Capri Sun in there, get a good feeling going, you know, and just, you know, ride a, ride a record with blinders on, you know. He's not kidding. They get Capri Sun yeah, every day yeah. on the rider. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I'm not saying we do anything that's like, dude, listen to this. This is unbelievable something you've never heard before, you know, because we can be put into genres, categories, like every musician. But, like, we just try to do something instead of focusing on, you know, what would Cindy in, in Atlanta want us to write, you know, because she's a great fan or what, you know, it's just, let's do something that makes us feel good. And I think if we're on stage feeling good and smiling and performing music that we feel very passionate about, that it'll be a, cont a contagious thing for the fans. Yeah, when it comes down to it, like, I was, I, I was going to say that, uh, you know, my band especially, um, we play and have always played very accessible pop music. And we're fine with that. We love playing what we play. That's what we write when we write together as a band. And um, we get a lot of heat for it. Like, you know, I, I read message boards and all kinds of conversations and stuff saying, you know, oh, this band's so unoriginal, blah, blah, blah. And at this point, I just kind of, I laugh it off because it's really, we're, we never set out and never claimed that we were going to reinvent the wheel or, you know, anything like that, break new ground. No, we, we play what we grew up listening to and we play what we love and whether it's more accessible or less accessible to fans later on doesn't really concern us and you know if we're the least credible band in the world as long as we're up there having a blast and there's a few kids dancing to it I'm stoked because that's like that's what I looked for in music when I was that age so 
Sean, in, in your piece in the, in, in the AP Tour issue, there was, uh, there was some portions in there where they talked about the early years with the matches and, and the, all the, the street promotion, the guerrilla promotion that you guys did to get your name out there. And I was kind of I was thinking about it. I was going like, wow, if there's anybody I should ask this question to, it should be you. And that is, there's, you know, technology... Change, like, you know, you, you talk to record company people like, oh, you got to go do something with MySpace, you got to do this and this. But really, when you get down to old school promotion, on the street stuff, wh what have you found, uh, you know, kind of works time and time again that's just old school? Um, well, I mean, this, this, this thing that we used to do, and it's, it's mutated through the years, but um, we started out just kind of in, in, our, in our local scene. Um, uh, by going to shows that we were not playing and playing outside, kind of just crashing shows, basically. And um, that's rude. Yeah, <laughs> it was rude. But we were like, we were like 19 years old, and the point was to be rude. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> no, but it's true though. It was like the more places we got kicked out of, the more notorious we became with bouncers and whatnot. Like we would go to, we were 19, so we just graduated high school, and we would go to like the all girls high school in the area. And, and, like, right before their last period was out, we'd run down the halls, like, playing as loud as we could with, like, a boombox and our guitars and, like, throw <laughs> flyers down the hall and, like, you know, get chased down the street by the, by the superintendent, you know? Like, <laughs> it, it, was, it was awesome. And that, that's, that's kind of how we, how we started out. So we never quite shook the, um, the uh, playing on the street uh, kind, of, kind of mentality. And so, uh, you know, over the years, as, as we've become... Uh, as we become, you know, a support band, and even on headlining tours, we uh, we go outside after after the show, like kind of after the uh, the the crowd is cleared, um, and you know, play a few songs in the street. You know, some of our our old our old catalog stuff that you know, like the, the super fans that hang around want to hear, and uh, we've actually been doing that on this tour too. Oh, that's um, they're like the Pied Pipers. Yeah, actually, there, <laughs> there was there was a, a night a few a few a few days ago we were at Yale. And uh, it started out just escaping the sound of the street, the sound of the buses. But um, we started playing a song outside and then ended up walking while we were playing. And then we ended up running <laughs> through Yale while we were playing a song that, that was a, a sing-along. And there's 30 people, like, running after us that are just all yelling the words of the song through the Yale campus. It was really funny. I just That's hope awesome. you had a videographer there to make it your yeah. next video. Epitaph would have like, this was cheap. It was as inexpensive. You know, uh, like, next video. There were 30 videographers. They were all on camera phones. <laughs> <laughs> You know, creative It's the future. It's the future. Exactly. You know what? You may not be far off. You may not be, you may not be definitely far off. Um, any of you guys have any experience with self-promotion that you found as, as, as work like that, like old school promotion, besides running down girls' school hallways? It's funny that you actually <laughs> cited that as a specific example, because I can remember going to two private girls' schools, specifically girls' schools, yeah. before we were even signed with flyers. And just walking into classrooms and throwing them and then leaving. <laughs> and like going to the next room and throwing more yeah. into the... And the teachers would just stand there like, what just happened? Like, why did those kids in tight pants just throw paper at me? Yeah. But, yeah, no, I, I remember doing that. So apparently it's a universal calling that some Universal 19-year-old thing. Exactly. Yeah. Jonathan, you guys have been playing schools every single day of this tour almost. Yeah. Yeah, we've we we played two today and, and going out playing high schools. Oh, Luria Pioneers. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> After Luria High School. Yeah. That's a good Yeah, that's helped a lot. I mean I I, I think you know, playing high schools and, and I hate to admit that our fans are eleven to eighteen, but a lot of them are. So we, we meet them where they are and you know, we go to them and 
it's been very hard. This has been a tough tour with playing two and three shows a day, but, you know, that's been one way to market is, you know, the kids are getting younger and younger music fans because of Internet and because of them having cell phones when they're six and, you know, learning that stuff so early, you know. So, yeah, and we also, I hate to admit, uh, have a five-episode cartoon of all six of us on the fourth episode is oh, on the front page of MySpace right now. <laughs> you have now. a cartoon. These guys have the most, the most grizzly beards, too. Yeah. You have from, a cartoon? From, I didn't know you had a cartoon. <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. Oh, so. I think four other managers are getting phone calls tonight. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and who, are you guys doing the actual voices as well? Yeah, we, we went, a guy from L.A., cartoonist, flew out, and what? we did, reread our lines, and he's just kind of like, He's like, uh, here's the situation. What would you say? And so we read our lines, and we're at a battle of the bands, and an alien comes down and gives us all superpowers, and we beat the cock rock band, and we end up victorious. So, that's amazing. <laughs> why are you Why are you acting like you're ashamed of this, man? I don't know. It's, I mean, a cartoon. <laughs> you're I, being I never bashful. Brilliant. I didn't it's write. Amazing. Music. It's interesting. I, I want a cartoon. <laughs> I went to school. I hate you guys. Animator. <laughs> How jealous. <laughs> Great, none of you guys are going to be talking by the Alice, time you hit the stop hitting me. <laughs> I hate you guys. I'm out. Okay. Um, so, um, before we go into our next song break, Alex, oh. so get ready. Sunny. I haven't been thinking about it. Okay, well, all right. Then you can wing it. It's cool. Sunny and Cher song. I don't I care. Will. Yeah, all right, Partridge Family. <laughs> so, in, the, in, the, in that same issue, the AP Tour issue, you talked um, about when you broke from first to last and you went solo, and you said that that, that band was kind of like your college education. Sure. And then when you went off, and then like you kind of entered the real world, so to speak, um, and you know we kind of saw it with Fred, with the color Fred, taking back Sunday, okay. top of the peak. He got out, and he took that chance. But really, the key is, is this like, you you have to um, you have to overcome a fear, and that paralyzes a lot of artists. That fear of the unknown. So how did you kind of get to that? Did think, you? It's even I like that the, for you. I think the real chance would have been if I would have stayed in that band, and how long I would have kept my sanity so it's the other way around yeah i mean that was the chance like in my no offense to the guys at all i love yeah. the dudes and i will always love the guys mm -hmm. unconditionally you know and it wasn't even about them it was about me right you know i'm not talking about what like it's not it's not a thing of like what they were doing to me or blah 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 it's not like right. a pity party thing but the chance was am i going to record this major label record and become something i don't want to be yeah. that was the chance mm -hmm. and the easy thing for me was to go no Let's not take a chance. Let's do what I want to do. And um, the fact that, you know, I wasn't the biggest thing in the world, but the fact that I got to taste a little bit of that success, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, it wasn't like I was like it wasn't like I was going to miss anything. I didn't I didn't miss anything that I had. You know, um, I'm still the same person. I've grown a lot. Everybody grows every day. But it was just the most necessary thing I had to do, just for me, you know, and I wasn't thinking about anybody but myself, and I feel like um, in that sort of situation, you got to think for yourself. You got you to do, what, do what's right for you completely, you know, even if you're going to put someone out in the red for whatever reason, like, you know, I've dropped off tours because I've blown out voices. I've, right. I've you know, I've, I've in a lot of ways crippled that band's career for a little bit, you know what I mean? Because I left, I'm the singer of a band that just signed this big fucking contract or whatever, you know, which means shit to me, you know? Mm -hmm. Again, like what I, what I said, like, this is not about making money. This is about playing music. And because I have the opportunity, first it's about, first it's about making music, and because there's the opportunity, there's like this world is set up to where you can be a musician and make money there, I'm gonna make money that way, you know? Mm -hmm. and. 
but you always have to think about the music first or you're a whore, you know? That's what I think for me personally. And again, I can always make money. Anybody can do anything. You can always do anything and make money. You can do accounting. You can be a prostitute. You can do whatever. And, Invent. And I love music so much. It didn't matter to me. Like, I was not doing the music that I loved. You see what I'm saying? Mm. So it wasn't a chance. It was the other way around. Okay, Alex. Favorite song and why? Oh, man. I'm going to go with Journey. Don't Stop Believing. Wait, the new version with the new singer? Hell no, or, the oh, original. Steve Not Perry. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to go with that because no matter where you are in this day and age, no matter what's happening... It could be the apocalypse, and if that song came on, every single person would stop what they're doing and just... So yeah, that song. Can, anybody you, can any of you guys hit his notes? I try every day. I want to cover that song so badly, but we ruin it, I think. Yeah, we were talking about covering it because our guitar tag checks with it every day, yeah. but I don't think I can hit those notes. <laughs> but that is by far his Maybe Maybe tonight we day. should start a super band. And Maybe we should. And do an encore. Last night, huh? have Danny come out. And <laughs> just need to find people who can play is, it. I don't think he knows how to play anything other than that, though. Yeah. Like the beginning of it. Yeah. But he loves it because the whole crowd starts singing along. He, <laughs> you know, that was, it was somebody, it was somebody brought, I think you kind of made it up. Uh, you sent me an e uh, email when we were talking earlier this week, and, and you said, oh, you should come out and sing with us. In the la and it's like, you guys, the Circus Survive, the last song of the tour last year, it was a huge thing on the YouTube. Everybody, so like, all you guys, <gasps> you got to figure out who's got the last song. And everybody's got to come out. Super band tonight in Cleveland. We should. Let's do it. What can we cover? Come on. It's all about YouTube. The more YouTube you How get. How about Backstreet's Back? Oh. <laughs> do beat I don't know. It. Ooh. Ooh. Fall Boy just did it, so. <laughs> so why not? Kick their ass with it. Yeah. Kick their ass. We'll think. We'll gather some, we'll gather some ideas together, and maybe yeah. we'll, we'll do the all Super right, Band. So right after Journey, we'll come back. Yes. Just a small town girl. Living in a lonely world She took the midnight train Going anywhere Just a city boy Born and raised in South Detroit He took the midnight train Going anywhere A singer in a smoky room A smell of wine and cheap perfume For a smile they can share the night It goes on and on and on and on Strangers waiting Up and down the boulevard their shadows searching in the night Streetlights, people 
just a small town girl. Damn it. <laughs> yes, any. Why any, are you doing this to me? Any auditions, please go ahead. <laughs> that one? Hey. <clears throat> yeah. I kind of, Jonathan, you were saying, like, the age of uh, a lot of the fans of your bands, all of your bands, and AP readers, are in high school, middle school. So, for the sake of um, uh, kind of, uh, uh, so, so people can relate to each other a little bit, the kids and the, and the bands can relate to each other, um, just kind of going down the, the row here, and we'll start with Sean. Um, what kind of kid were you in high school? Like, what cafeteria table did you sit at? Uh, I sat on the grass. I was a hippie. <laughs> no, I, I started high school with, um, with the uh, first day of school, I wore plaid pants and a Superman shirt. And um, I sat on the grass because you could play your guitar outside. Um, but then the high school I went to um, didn't encourage. Not, and it wasn't the establishment of it, but it was the um, uh, definitely mostly the sports teams did not encourage sitting on the grass wearing plaid pants and playing guitar. So um, I quickly <laughs> bought some, uh, some nondescript clothing and um, uh, started a band outside of school and hid. <laughs> Disappeared. That, it was, it was, was high school point, was, hi was really hibernation. Yeah. Was it really? Fun? Yeah. Middle school, I was, I felt like completely myself. And then, uh, as soon as I graduated high school, I found my middle school self again. So it's interesting. Yeah. There's a, there's a book in there someplace. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan, what about you? Yeah. And, um, in high school, I was focused really on, on two things. I, I was playing music at my church, leading worship. And, uh, I was also on the, captain of the golf team so uh, I went to college on a golf scholarship as well so like golf was my life uh, outside of music and uh, so I, I kind of also I also got voted class clown so I kind of fitted in a, a lot of different groups and uh, but I was real focused on on you know music at church and then and then sports I played football and on the side and so I was the athlete who um, who played music <laughs> Huh. It's weird, right? The complete anti antithesis to Sean's Yeah. <laughs> to Sean's story. I played there. basketball too. Oh really? Yeah. Ah, nice. All right. Ah. Why didn't you say that? I forgot. <laughs> he schooled me in three on checker. three the other night and totally left out basketball. Yeah, he is good. He's I good. Love basketball. Uh in in high school I was I was kind of that kid that was like mostly friends with everybody, but completely ignored the fact that I was actually in school. I, uh, maybe my first two years did all right, but then come 11th and 12th grade, I was completely on the verge of failing out. And uh, I, ha I had absolutely no desire to do anything educational anymore besides what I was into. I'm very stubborn in that regard. Um, and so like once the band actually started trying to be a serious band and we started touring and getting some attention from labels and things like that. Like I, it was completely out the window for me. I would go to class and fall asleep or write lyrics or, um, I can't, I can't count how many times I had pieces of paper taken <laughs> away from me by the teacher that just had lyrics on them. Cause they're that was like, just last year, right? <laughs> yeah. 2006. So two years, two years ago, two years ago. Um, and now your management wow. is, is, is trying to sue those teachers to get those lyrics back. <laughs> exactly. <right>? Exactly. <laughs> it's a uh, many now. But uh, they're probably selling them on eBay. They're probably the blue penners. I did. Oh. I did well. I did well in English, but that was about it. Uh, that was about it. Yeah. So, but I, I had a lot of I had a lot of friends, which was good. Lucky. 
Yeah. <laughs> I saw Ryan standing there you, shaking man. his head. Apparently, I didn't have a lot of friends. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, when I was a kid, I just I grew up in Texas, and sports was a big deal, and and everything. And I wasn't really ever good at baseball or anything like that. I even remember, uh, bless my dad's heart, but uh, uh, in uh, when I was like in, it wasn't coach pitch, but it was one right after that when T-ball. the kids started pitching. Oh. oh yeah. And. Uh, I got hit and I was like really freaked out by it. And so my dad, my dad would be in the stands looking at me and he would, he would, he would, he would wave a five dollar bill at me if I would swing. And, and nice. If I, and and um, you're so rich. And dude. so and so uh, and so yeah, I was a little scarred by that. But uh, but I found my 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 sports love in, in karate and martial arts. Actually, that was like mm. my life until until the Rockets. I'm actually. Um, I don't like talking about it, but I actually got my, <laughs> my black belt and everything. But uh, but as soon as music took over, which was at a really young age, uh, I kind of stopped doing that. But I mean, I put up I put up my first Rocket Summer CD when I was 16, which was almost 10 years ago, which is kind of freaky. But uh, but yeah, in high school I was just doing the band thing, just relatively quiet guy, just. Music, and now so. you can kick everybody's ass on AP tour. <laughs> nah, I don't know. I don't, it's true. I don't know. It's, you know, I'm afraid. Ever since I found that out, I've been like really afraid of Bryce. <laughs> I don't. I don't switch seats. Really I don't afraid go, of my 14 year old. Uh, I don't go ass. into their dressing room ever um, <laughs> for fear that he's going to be like pinned to the ceiling. With and don't ever look at him when you're when you're passing him. By, exactly. Right? Don't ever give my contact. Yeah. They put it. They put it on the day sheet. Like, oh. do not look Bryce in the eye. He oh, will. Yeah. Lun- he will lunge at you. <laughs> it, took me, it took me a lot to, to even do this interview, actually. <laughs> Three men died. They call him Bryce Norris behind his back. Oh, is that what it is? Sonny, how about you? Uh, I actually didn't go to high school. I, uh, well, I, I was like from the age, from the age n- nine to ten, I was in a boarding school, and then out in the Mojave Desert in California, and then from the age, like. Well, I was actually I was born in LA, and then I moved to San Francisco, Cisco, with my with my parents when I was twelve, and then uh, went to just normal schools out there. And then when I moved back, I was sorry, I moved I moved to San Francisco when I was two, and then I moved back to LA when I was twelve, and then um, I started going to this artsy kind of school, like mm-hmm. a private school that focused on like arts and stuff. And then I stopped going when I was like fourteen, and then just went to this homeschool thing from mm-hmm. the age like fourteen to sixteen, and I never really kept up with academics at all actually I was just always playing music playing in bands going out to shows getting in trouble and I started touring when I was like 16 and I'd never even been in a real public high school that's such a foreign world and idea to me yeah so I never went to prom or any of that stuff so let's kind of take that storyline a little bit farther now so for some of you guys it wasn't that much farther past that when you know um this question used to be asked a lot back in the 70s a lot, but um, when did you know that you could actually call yourself a musician, like a real musician? Was it when all of a sudden you, you signed the contract, the record company contract? Was it when you walked into a Best Buy and you saw yourself at the, at the uh, end cap? Was it you heard some DJ that you used to listen to all the time and, and, you know, when you were growing up and they say your name on the air? Hmm. You remember that? I still feel like I'm yeah. fooling somebody. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't think I've ever called myself a musician. <laughs> Somehow I snuck into the fifth chair like right here. You gentlemen. Right. Dude, that's yeah. really good, Sean. Maybe perhaps awesome. perhaps performer, but not performer. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there's other things you could call yourselves, right? But I would just no. I, it's 
it's weird. Like, I, I don't think I ever really realized that any of what I was doing was legitimate. I mean, your accountant <laughs> has to knock it off on the, on the tax things. Like, what do, you, what do you do for a living? It has yeah. to say, you know. Sure. Musician, entertainment. Mm. Smoke and mirrors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that also. <laughs> I deceive people on a professional level. Yes. <laughs> I'm talented. That's how I feel. But did any, like, you know, like, usually the, usually the answer was, oh, I was driving down in my car one day and I heard my song on the radio. See, that's what we, that's what we all heard musicians we liked say when we were... 15, but um, it sounds trite now. We you just know? set out to emulate that. <laughs> yeah, so if you're emulating somebody that found out from a radio DJ, yeah, it's going to fall somewhere below. <laughs> yeah. I think I was fortunate to have a really awesome father that he would refer to me as a musician at a really young age. You know, he bought me my oh. first guitar when I was nine, oh, and cool. I started learning songs because I was a guitar player before I was a singer, and I, you know, I started learning songs, and, and uh, he would like brag about me at his work because I used to play in like local bands and you know he would you know get photographers to come out and shoot for us and stuff and he would have like pictures of me playing like on his walls and, like yeah my son's a musician and that and you know I was like it's I stuck yeah it kind of stuck <laughs> with me and not to say like I mean he supported me so much you know and um but you know when I was playing shows for just the front of house guy and parents, I knew I didn't feel like a musician. <laughs> 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 Something's changed, so. So with that note, it's your turn for a song. So favorite song of all time and why? That's tough. You know, I, I say a song that um, really inspired me to change what I was doing musically. Um, it's not my favorite song of all time by any means, but I went to high school and was in choir with and always losing to in talent shows Kelly Clarkson. And when she uh, won season one of American Idol, I guess with a moment like this, uh, I knew that it was my time to make uh, a change in what I was doing because I, I, I was always competing against her and just to see her rise up was like gave me a new drive to like, it's kind of at the same time that I split off of the flip my old band and, you know, re restructured this. So I'll say my favorite song of all time is A Moment Like This by Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's well, awesome. Did you say you just, went to high school with her? Yeah, is that, is that really? Yeah, they're, yeah they're it's awesome. Wow. That's you competed awesome. against Kelly Clarkson in talent shows? Lost. I just like she the kicked your ass. that we've had chosen <laughs> yeah. so far. I mean, Sean's <laughs> really got to go. He's got to like pick something like completely up. Like we've had a different genre, everything. It's great. What if I told you it was all meant to be? Would you believe me? Would you
funny though about American Idol. Does any do any of you guys like follow that at all? Yeah. Oh yeah. I I, I know of it of it because of my wife, of course. But uh, there's a guy named Jason Castro who's on the show right now, oh, yeah. and everybody's saying he's gonna win. Wait, was Tara on it? No. She okay. Just, she just loves all those kinds okay. of shows. You just but, said uh, because of my wife, of course, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, she's not, a woman. Not, not <laughs> only, <laughs> not only can he kick everybody's ass, but yeah, apparently, <laughs> three of wife. the five people in this panel have been on American Idol. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but Jason Castro is this guy that used to like I've, I've seen him at our shows and stuff a, a couple of years back and stuff, and and I'd, I'd recognized him on the show, and everybody's saying he's going to win. So it's it's like crazy how you never know. He yeah, played at our CD know. release party. No way. Yeah, in Dallas. Crazy. He was the drummer of that band, Keeping Lions. That's wild. Six degrees of Kelly Clarkson here. I'm telling you, <laughs> strange world we live in. <laughs> okay, so I was just thinking about this uh, th- this morning, actually. Um, you know, when even you guys that, that are basically almost right out of high school, and especially uh, as you get older, uh, you know, when we were growing up, there was, you know, uh, when you were like in high school and you wanted to be a musician, you thought, okay, uh, I'm gonna, I want to end up playing arenas. I want to end up selling 10 million records. You know, I want to, I want to be about the extravagant tour bus. Um, you know, I want to have, uh, you know, uh, you know, 15 million fans everywhere. I want to have that Led Zeppelin, Motley Crue lifestyle. You know, and now. <clears throat> Not that many bands get to play arenas, unless you're part of a package tour, or you're rap, or you're pop. Um, you know, you're lucky if you sell a million two records. That's the top end, on, especially on a rock act. Uh, pretty much 300,000, 500,000 is an average right now. Um, they said between 2002 and 2005, 1,900 record stores in this country shut down. Um, so now with this in mind, <clears throat> not to bum you all out, um, what is the end game? For you as a band, what, what's like, you know, because we've talked about like, it's about the music, it's not about the money. But there has to be like, like what, is the, what do you see now as the future for yourselves as this whole industry that we grew up, and when we were over the past five years even, we've kind of thought was going to be there is now gone, or it's collapsing. So what's the end game for you guys? Originality. Not, in, not necessarily in music, but how you present your music to the world. Um, for example, just trying to come up with cool ways to perform for people be it uh, tell everybody that you're going to be riding a train around New York all day and then play on that train and fill the train car with your fans. And that in itself would stir up enough buzz, um, I think, that uh, it could be something cool and different. And it's like, I think, I think things like that are, it's, it's, is where it's going to have to go. Um, and, you know, with the internet and uh, physical copies of records no longer really being a legitimate piece of the puzzle anymore as far as basing how big a band is and whatnot. Um, I think it's all about just really making sure you're heard via the web, via text messaging, via billboards, whatever you can do. But it's like, it's definitely a time for change for sure. Well, I think, I think in like, uh, because, because with the internet, I think things are so congested. I think it gives the opportunity for like like you said orig- people that are original to 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 sort of be noticed in their extreme like the fact that um you can never you can you can't take away a live show you can't you can't really that that will never change exactly man people always you know there there are a lot of bands out there that don't sell any records that make a living on a live show and f- if they don't sell 
I mean, fuck it if they don't sell a million records, you know? Like, that's how I look at it. That's how I'm going into this, you know? I, I As far as money goes, I rely on the live show, and I think that, um, you know, that's that's that, that really shows a, a musician in his fullest potential, I think, is in a live show, just because you can't... You can always uh, sing a vocal a zillion times in the studio, but you have a one one shot to do it live and and um well check it out recorded music is 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 nearly i mean it's just this century really or the last century you know that it yeah. really came about before that music was always a social thing you go places to hear bands play because you can't take them home on wax you know you can't take them home on plastic or on you know however we're mp3 we're taking it home you know what i mean before that it was it was completely social you had to go see a band live in order to hear the song that you love that they play you know and uh, uh, that's coming back that's going to come back around you know I perceive uh, that shows will become bigger yeah um, just as social events you know and the fact that more than one like genres are coming together a lot I think that's crazy that Snoop Dogg's playing bamboozle you know amongst okay. all the other sort of bands like that we you know AP and stuff it's kind of crazy and, and I think that's like a lot of festivals and stuff are really supporting like n unity within genres and I think that's important too you know so so Sean yes you have the last song for this break I'll do I can wrap the, it for up the, for this for the wrap it up so <laughs> no pressure Your favorite song and why this I, I can confidently say this is my favorite song um it's um it's uh, Third Planet by Modest Mouse. Um, the song, um, when I heard it, it picked me up by my ankles and just shook me until everything fell out of my mind. It's the, the lyrics in the song um, are basically the abridged history of the entire world as far as I'm concerned. And it's really, it really gets me because the main character is, is love. And love is a complete fuck up in the song. And... I completely relate, and it, this song contains far more than I can even pretend to understand, and every time I listen to it, I hear something new. With that note, I do have to say this. Um, you know, it's kind of like what you were saying, Sonny, about it's not about the money necessarily. I mean, it's, yeah, we all want to make a living and be able to pay our bills and have a house and have a life and stuff like that, but it's not about being the richest guy on the planet. And it's the same way at AP with us. We're not about getting rich. It's more about what we do. And... I am still, from the bottom of my heart and from everybody at AP, we are so um, thankful that you guys were on this tour. And really, the only reason why we come into work every day is if we can put out something either in a magazine form or in the print or in the web um, that helps you guys and helps your guys' career, then we're happy. We're, we've, we've met our objective for that day. So really, from the bottom of our heart, thank you. Thank, thank you, you for having us. Feeling yeah. mutual. Yeah, Thank been you. Awesome. <coughs> Wish been you guys awesome. the best Thanks. of luck, really. Thank you. Thank all right, you. this was AP Podcast. Thanks, all of you guys. We have a half hour to get back to the venue. <laughs> Run. <laughs> Run. <laughs> Washed.
Find eye in the sky and the canvas stops when you get to the promised land. You're gonna shake that ice hand. Your heart felt good. It was dripping pitch and made of wood. And your hands and knees felt cold and laying on the grass to me. Well, outside naked, shiver looking blue from the cold sunlight that's reflected off the moon. And baby, come angels fly around you, reminding you we used to be three and not as cool as how the world began. And that's how. Podcasts are recorded at Lava Room Recording Studio in Cleveland, Ohio, a New York City quality studio at Cleveland Prices. Check out www.lavaroomrecording.com. For more information on Alternative Press Magazine, go to www.altpress.com. The podcast engineer is John Walsh. Post-production assistance from Rob Ortenzi. I'm Mike Shea, and this is All My Fault. You can reach me directly at www.myspace.com/slash Mike Shea AP. That's S H E A like the stadium AP. 